Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 134. I am one of your regular hosts, Alexander Apricot Pepsi Holland, live from Berlin, Germany. And as always, I'm sat digitally across from my number one pod partner in Melbourne, Australia. He's got to be the one called John Junior Boost Maloney. Junior Boost. That's what they. That's what they call me. I came up with that on the weekend and wrote it straight in my phone <laughs> straight away because it doesn't even mean anything. I just liked the sound of it. And so I quickly put in my notes, say John Junior Boost Maloney it is, as nickname. It is the kind of thing that you would come up with. Like I feel like you would give us a very small amount of coffee each and say, do you want a, <laughs> do you want a Junior Boost? <laughs> Uh, I have a Seinfeld-esque question for you, John, to start off with, to really get the schlag juices flowing. Yeah. What is the, what's the lowest denomination of money you'll pick up off the ground? Mm, That is a good question. So the reason that I'm asking is because I, I picked up two euros off the ground in a bar on Saturday night. Yeah. And so that's just in front of people. And <laughs> who knew, who must have known if they'd taken the time to observe that you just came across it, I guess. It wasn't like it had fallen out of your pocket. Yeah, no, it looked like I kind of walked over. I have a good eye for that kind of thing. Mm. And I looked over and saw it and I thought, <laughs> well, this is the highest denomination of coin available yeah. in the European economic zone. Mm. And two of coin. Two of coin. <laughs> but then I did have that moment where I was just like, is this is this a scabby thing to be doing? Should I have left these the two euros on the ground? It's a cost of living crisis. You've got to take these measures, I think. And then, but what if it was 10 cents? Yeah, I wouldn't take 10 cents. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm spoiled in that way. These days, I probably wouldn't take anything less than a dollar. Off the ground. Uh-huh, okay. But once you get to, because in Australia too, there's a marked aesthetic difference because a dollar is a nice shiny gold color. And yeah. And so that sort of just looks like it has value. Whereas uh, 50 cents uh, in Australia is about the size of your palm. So it's probably worth yeah. more if you just melted it down and sold the metal now. But that giant, that giant, big, dirty, hexagonally looking strange, 50 isn't cent it? piece. What a waste of metal. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was thinking today, speaking of this kind of thing, it's funny, actually, I was walking back from the, from the hairdresser thinking, because I passed a money exchange place and I've had yeah. in a little jar in my study, I've had, I've got all these random scraps of money from when I came back from, you know, various places and didn't manage to spend all of it. So I've got like, you know, 20 Uruguayan pesos or whatever they are and some mm-hmm. some argentine money some chilean money some um you know singaporean dollars etc and i'm always just thinking i should <clears throat> i should keep an eye on when there's like a sp- 
a surge in value of one of those currencies <laughs> and just go down to the exchange place and, and exchange $5 for a hundred Australian dollars. But so far it hasn't happened mostly because I go to countries that are very interesting, but partly because they have had mixed fortunes and, uh, like, like most of South America is a bit like that. And Southeast Asia, you're not going there to do currency trading really. But, um, yeah. So for me, it's a dollar, I reckon. And it's funny though, because, you know, when I was in my early twenties, definitely would have been 50 cents, I think. Yeah, that's true actually. Yeah. And then as a, and as a kid, mm. fucking anything. Mm. Five cents. What's happened to us? What's happened to us, John, that as we age, we lose the joy yeah. of in life of just picking money up off the ground. It's true. What's happened to us? I don't know. I mean, for me, it's because bending over and picking something up equates to with equates to about 20 minutes at the physio. So I've got to be careful. <laughs> I don't blow my overheads. <laughs> <laughs> So, Al, I think there's been a bit of a pregnant pause in the DPTM community because something has happened in the last couple of weeks, which a lot of our loyal listeners would have expected us to have commented on. <laughs> and I guess I've just been waiting, as one learns to do after a bit of podcasting experience, for the story to develop, for it to develop a mm. few threads, uh, for it to mature. And that is, of course, the release of the Jada Pinkett Smith memoir, Worthy, uh, which which came out on the 17th of October. Mm. And, uh, and she joins her husband, or seemingly husband, I'll come to that, but there's a little bit of complexity, as there always with, is with the Smith family, about things that a lot of people define in fairly straightforward ways. They like to define in more idiosyncratic and long-winded ways. Uh, but I, they are still married. Um, he came Will Smith. Will Smith. He came out with his, um, with his own memoir, Will, some time ago. And we, yeah. we, we talked about that on the podcast previously. And we've, of course, talked about uh, the slap where he jumped, yeah. jumped up on stage and hit Chris Rock. But I guess there's a few things to come out of it. I've had a bit of a listen on Spotify um, to the audio book read by Jada Pinkett Smith. Because, yeah, because you can, in a, this is a little aside, you're, you're one of the only territories that's been given mm -hmm. this thing, these new audio books. On, they, they, they rolled it out as a test oh, right? audience in Australia. So you were just able to listen to stream it huh. without paying anything extra. Yeah, that's right. And I've done that to... Sapiens, the um, ah uh, yes. Harari classic, and uh, it's read by him. Uh, no, that one's not read by him. Um, but I, I think, I think it's quite common for a lot of them to be. I mean, um, I, I noticed that uh, Brene Brown's book is read by her. Jada Pinkett Smith's book book is read by her. Um, uh -huh. probably some of the other. Um, some of the other memoirs that are currently doing the rounds must be read by celebs. So I had a, mm -hmm. I treated myself to a bit of a listen and then I looked at how the book had been doing and 
um, what it, what it, people had been talking about. And in answer to the first question, the answer is not very well. Uh, the, um, <laughs> the, it's only a couple of weeks, obviously, but at the same time, this it's, it's been long enough that, you know, you, you start to get some stats and obviously you're in the kind of honeymoon period where Jada's doing a book tour. So you'd expect people to be jumping yeah. on Amazon and getting, or on Kindle and getting their, getting their, uh, book. Uh, but I've looked at a couple of articles which have commented on it being a so-called flop by early accounts. One, <laughs> one said that it was not in the top 100 Kindle e-reader chart. Um, and that, and that huh. about a week in it had only sold, or maybe even more recently than that. So this article is from the last few days. It had only sold 2,700 copies according to Newsweek, which isn't that many when you think about you know, the amount of resources that would have gone into promoting it. And yeah. And, uh, I mean, I reckon I could sell, you know, a couple of hundred <laughs> and then, uh, and then on Amazon books, it was at the time of the article that I was reading in, in Newsweek, it was at 81 on the bestseller list. I've just had a look today and it's no longer on the top 100 bestseller wow. lists. It, it had gained only 114 ratings and 64 reviews, which was pretty low. And I looked at some of those reviews, some of which are just by, you know, individuals who are leaving yeah. comments and they're quite, let's say, polarized. An example might be something like this, where someone has written, what a stupid, stupid book, completely not worth the money. <laughs> After about 30 pages, I had had enough. Another person <laughs> says... I can't believe how dull, flat, and just plain uninteresting the memoir was. So that's kind of, it's, it's, it's mixed, had a mixed response. But nonetheless, people have been commenting on it and giving people like me who are interested in what's there a bit of an insight into what's, uh, what kind of its highlights, its key themes and sort of plot points are. And... I've mentioned the slap already, and you might be interested in whether it makes reference to the slap, and of course it does, in a very, yeah. what I, what struck me as a very Smith, and particularly very Jada Pinkett <laughs> Smith way, it's referred to in, in the book as the holy slap, uh, because okay. Jada saw it as a springboard for personal growth, of course. Of, of course. And um, she said that she had scrambled to grasp what had happened. She claimed that moments before Chris Rock came out, she had a premonition that he was going to say something and things were going to go badly. And, uh, uh -huh. and then he did. And something a bit cosmic, something very cosmic. I mean, she's very much that kind of person. She's very attuned. Yes. Um, <laughs> but according to one reviewer, part of her surprise came from a different place than those who tuned into Hollywood's big night. It was, at hearing Smith call her his wife. She said, even though we hadn't been calling each other husband and wife in a long time, I said, I'm his wife now. We in this. That's just who I am. She t she told me. Actually, this person interviewed her. She said, that's the gift I have to offer. Like, hey, I'm riding with you. So somehow it seems that him assaulting someone else at an awards show uh, brought their relationship back from the brink. Uh, <laughs> but she said that Will Smith and Chris Rock had had years of disrespect starting in the 80s. Ah. She said, I didn't judge Chris 
and I didn't judge Will. I was like, oh, this is a spiritual clash, uh, which is a lovely <laughs> way of mischaracterizing what went on. And then, um, and then what's perhaps even more, more Smith-esque is what happened afterwards. So she said that after that, she pursued quite clarity and emotional sobriety and became yeah. what she calls an urban nun of sorts. Um, <laughs> she says she met, meditates. Of course, that's that won't come as a surprise. She reads texts like the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, and the yes. Bible daily. Wow. She abstains. Daily? Yeah. She abstains from sex, which is uh, unfortunate for poor old Will, who's gone through a bit of a rough time. Alcohol, <laughs> violent entertainment, and unnecessary spending. Um, huh. And she says she'd gone off the rails sometime earlier, around about 2011 mark, and one way she'd brought herself back is through the life-changing magic of ayahuasca, of course. Ah. So one of Jaden's friend's fathers told her about an ayahuasca retreat, <clears throat> an ayahuasca retreat that he'd been on. And uh, so she had an experience with that. And apparently after the slap, she went back into that and her and um, Will had an ayahuasca experience together, which I love. Ah. Um, and it's so... it The Tripping Smiths. The Tripping Smiths. And it reads very much like, you know, kind of a first-year art student's psychedelic experience. It's like, uh, according, to, according to one article, the potent psychedelic presented her with a vision of a panther that would lead her deep <laughs> into the jungles of her mind. At a critical juncture, she was plunged into a pit of sneering snakes who taunted her. Mother Aya, she writes, is showing me all the unloved parts of myself lead needing light and love. And after that experience, uh, she got better and she says that she continues to integrate ayahuasca into her life. As I said, after the Oscars, yeah. she held a friends and family session with Will and Will said to her when he was high on ayahuasca, you'll have to cut off your spirit's wrist to break free of our divine handcuffs, uh, which I like. <laughs> and she, she also shared, she also shared an anecdote. Um, I mean, she's just somebody who, who finds the profound in everything. So she was running, she was going for a jog with Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. And, oh, uh, yeah. cause they're mates. And she, um, she asked Will if she should get it. She she fell. She hit her, hurt her ankle. Asked Will if she should get her ankle checked out. And he said, no, nah, it'll be fine. And then she found out her ankle was broken. And she said that she learned from that experience that if she didn't express pain in the right way, she'd be ignored, which is great, which I loved. It's a lesson that we can all relate to i think um but yeah i enjoyed i mean one of the things that's interesting about the feedback on the book and the sort of popular reflections on the book is the kind of split between i guess some sources of mainstream american media which have a lot more tolerance for just self-involved sappiness and then mm. british media which has significantly less i think yeah um and then just kind of general hipster media. Like there was a, a Vulture article which was quite critical of her uh, kind of over-engineered writing. So it said, for example, 
Rather than call Will Smith funny, Pinkett Smith writes, humor was an elixir he knew how to pour, which I love. <laughs> just like, just say he's funny. And then she described their relationship by saying, the solution was to create an agreement to help build that trust by which we would never be in a position to lie to each other. In other words, a relationship of transparency, which is different from an open relationship. The agreement was never, you can go sleep with whomever you want, whenever you want. Instead, it was, hey, when those temptations are in play, let's trust each other to come together in, par- in partnership with the truth, talk and work as partners through them. It's like, what are we, what are you talking about? I don't, I love the, I, love, I mean, it's, she's on the, she's definitely on the sharp end of the kind of conscious uncoupling celebrity reinvention of emotional states that every ordinary person has experienced. <laughs> um, and one of the other tidbits that I really enjoyed was that she said that uh, she knew within seconds of finishing sex with Will that he'd gotten yeah. her pregnant when she got it, when he got her pregnant. So she More said, cosmics. She, she said she could tell, because it was like it, there was a click like the inside of a bank vault and she said that's what it felt like in my ro- in my womb uh, which I loved <laughs> and of course the other thing to come out is she revealed that uh, her and Will had been separated for some time since yeah. 2016 but then she uh, clarified that a week later and she loves to say things in an unnecessary complex way and then clarify them and she always does the latter with this air of kind of fatigued patience like you know okay guys everyone wants to know and i always think i don't i don't want you to clarify any further (laughs) can you just take me off the subscriber list please (laughs) but she clarified that they're actually still working on their marriage uh but i think they do live separately now which kind of makes the very stone age reaction to chris rock berating his wife even less justifiable in a way because he was <laughs> separated from this woman. So, um, yeah. He was willing to, uh, no pun intended, to uh, <laughs> to put his career in jeopardy and assault a man for not his wife, mm. for a woman who doesn't want him. For a woman who separated from him and then abstained from sex so that even if they did get back together... It would be it would be a joyless waste of time. Yeah, so I loved that, and I love the fact that I can now have, and I'm definitely going to do it, if only for as a stunt, have um, Will and Worthy side by side on my bookshelf. Uh, <laughs> I can have I can have a complete complete Smith bio section on my on my book collection, in my book collection. What are the kids? Are the kids going to get a biography with a W starting word mm, as well? Wank. <laughs> <laughs> wank and wish wash. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, this is the thing when you see, cause I saw a bit of her on the book tour and it really brought home to me how a lot of the mannerisms and general kind of, self-important, woolly ways of speaking of her children are a direct result of her influence, probably. And totally. Even even more so than Will. I mean, I think he's he's become an expert bullshitter, but uh, she's really off the charts. 
I think also they have just been therapized to within an inch of their life. <laughs> totally. And basically, what's happened is they get a therapist that charges them a crazy amount of money <laughs> and then the therapist just needs to basically tell them how important they are mm. so that they keep so that they remain in therapy and yep. then they just come out they come out of years of therapy thinking that the this very these very simple things that are happening in their own lives <laughs> yeah. are very kind of these complex webs that need to be worked through and how yeah. we need to like rising from the phoenix every day, we 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 need to sort <laughs> exactly. of reinvent our identities, yeah, and work through <clears throat> tra- traumas and all this kind of stuff. And you can just tell, yeah, that they are just they're just in therapy every day and just the loving every just minute getting, of it. And then the kids are getting the same thing, just getting really deep into themselves. And it's fun. It's actually been fun to encounter this book alongside sapiens which gives you a very broad sweep of <laughs> human history and i think to myself i bet hunter gatherers weren't talking about f- this kind of shit like they were just <laughs> they were just getting on with life they weren't obsessed with defining their relationships with each other or with themselves <laughs> they didn't need to cultivate resilience because they either be resilient or dead so uh maybe maybe it's Maybe it's time to go back. So something has been coming across my desk in the last couple of months, Mm -hmm. which is actually a a topic which I don't think I've spoken about on the podcast before. And it's something that I took a great amount of interest in some years ago. And the reason that it's been coming up in the last couple of weeks is that in the last couple of months, sorry, is because for for the first time in history Mm -hmm. in San Francisco, in the last two months, they have allowed, or should I say that California's Public Utilities Commission has allowed General Motors Cruise mm-hmm. and Google's Waymo to charge for rides 24-7 around San Francisco. Now, what people might not be aware of is that those are autonomous robo-taxis. Holy moly. And I was, I was going to ask you, were you aware that this was happening no. right now. It's one of I, these strange things that you just go, hang on, There's this is happening now. There are autonomous taxis operating now. And the answer is yes. I, I assumed yeah. that all I knew about was that, you know, companies were experimenting. So they might be doing, they might put a few heavily monitored vehicles on the roads um, mm. for the sake of getting, you know, getting feedback and occasionally you hear about someone getting struck by one of them or whatever, but, um, yeah, but I didn't know it was actually all systems go on anything that was. Yeah. Driverless. So th- there've been a couple of hundred of them and I think it's still in a pilot phase and I'm not sure 
I think certainly at the beginning it was also a subs- it was also that you had to be on a, a waiting list. I think you could download oh, the app. Okay. But um I'm not sure wow, the availability amazing. of them. Yeah, but there there were I believe members of the public that could just hit the button and hmm. jump in one of these autonomous vehicles, which is just insane to think that that is a thing yeah, now. That is amazing. That's a huge milestone. Yeah, so they're it's they're they're robo taxis. They're only in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of guardrails around them mm-hmm. uh, in terms of where they can and can't go in the wider San Francisco area. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not on highways or anything. Okay. They're not they're not out doing you know they're not doing interstate trips or yeah. anything yeah. yet. They're still just. Uh, but they're just on plodding around. They're on. I mean, you could be driving around in San Francisco and see a cargo pass with no driver. Correct, and everybody has been. So people have been oh, seeing right. hundreds of these things on wow. the streets of cars driving around with no <laughs> That's drivers, as if as if you wouldn't throw a rock at it just to see what happens. Well, they've yeah. Well, they've been <laughs> they've been. There's a particular group that has been protesting against them for a host of reasons, mm. and that particular activist group figured out that all you needed to do was put a traffic cone on the hood of the car and it will disable it and it can't (laughs) function. Wow. So this group's been running around putting traffic cones on them. Wow. Um, Like the machine smashes of the Industrial Revolution. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And I became fascinated in driverless cars, I guess, about five years ago because I heard a few interviews I mean, it is just such a captivating thought mm. that we live in an era where you could now get in an unmanned vehicle and have it drive you to a destination without any of your yeah. input. Just like the, the, it's the thing of a child's dream. I <laughs> it mean, is. I used to think about, I used to have dreams about this kind of stuff when yeah. I was a boy. Yeah. And and now it's uh, it's getting closer and closer. And I became really interested in it a few years ago because... There's the really obvious advantages and some disadvantages uh, I'll get into as well of them. Mm. But then it's it's fascinating the knock-on effects of mm. what will happen to the world or certainly happen to our cities in an era where yeah. driverless cars are other norm and, yeah and especially when it gets to the point where there's only driverless cars mm. which i think for a for a number of reasons that is that is where things will eventually go but i was just having an so i think what do, you, in, what do you see as the key knock-on effects well there's so i have um i think th- there's there's the basic benefits yeah that that instantly are pretty easy to see. So they're things like the main one is greater road safety. And that's also the one that any of the companies that are trying to push this technology lean into Mm -hmm. because the amount of road safety compared to manned vehicles Mm. will be just, there just won't be any comparison. And I think this will really be the thing that will make it very difficult for any car enthusiast in future mm. to argue <clears throat> because no matter how much you love cars or no matter how much you love not being, no matter how much you love driving your own car and no matter how much you love not being tracked yeah. by Google, yeah, all they'll need to say is they'll just point to the road fatalities, which are actually increasing in the US, which wow. is another really interesting statistic. So I looked this up. So in 2022, mm. 
the statistics were 42,795 people died in the USA. So Fucking hell. In a year? In, in a year, close to 43,000 people in the United States died in motor vehicle accidents. I think fucking wild, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. Um, in Australia in 2022, there were 1,200 people died I mean, in motor vehicle accidents. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so in uh, traffic deaths, I read <laughs> as well in the US, have surged 30% over the past decade with nearly 10,000 more fatalities when compared to 2000. Uh, and 13. And wow. they're saying that's because yeah. of a combination of factors, including reckless or distracted driving, largely due to cell phone use, uh, increased sales of trucks and SUVs, wow. and higher performance vehicles. Um, and there's another thing where they're saying that uh, electric vehicles with weightier batteries and record performance uh, might not be helping the issue either so even though even though the cars themselves are getting safer Mm. more people are getting killed wow uh which is so yeah traffic death surged over 30 percent in the last uh in the u.s in the last 10 years it's it's really interesting that we're getting better at all this technology Mm. but still with manned vehicles the number of deaths at least in the usa uh is increasing Hmm. and uh, according to government data in the US, driver error or rather driver behavior, driver behavior or error is a factor in 94% of crashes. Mm. For example, fatigued drivers are twice as likely to make a mistake. Right. Uh, obviously, distracted drivers, again, talking about the proliferation of mobile phones yeah. these days in cars and distractions. And so, driverless cars... If it's just going to be driverless cars on the road, then mm. it's just going to be, I mean, you know, 94% of crashes, human error. Mm. You can just basically wipe that out mm. because the robot cars are not going to be making human no, mistakes or getting, because they're all just going to be... Getting drunk or stoned or tired. Yeah. Mm. Uh, another another benefit is reduced congestion. So mm. that's because, that's for a number of reasons. One of them is that... Um, crashes mean um fewer crashes mean fewer roadway backups and also the cars are programmed to maintain safe and consistent distance so you can sort of forget about traffic congestion right um obviously more productivity for people of you know corporations love this one that we we can be more productive again thank god uh we can do work in the car at Mm. last well Um, i mean that's kind of an interesting one though because you think about you know people's lost time while they're commuting and you can spend that to do work or you can do whatever you want but you as long as you're stuck behind the wheel it's not like you can watch a movie or i don't know pull out some pull out your laptop and do a bit of send a few emails or whatever but it basically means that your commute is not lost time and therefore living further away from your place of work is less consequential potentially yeah Mm. yeah uh, another benefit, greater independence. So, for example, you could have, you know, the elderly who might, who would no longer be uh, roadworthy, mm. road safe, could jump in a car. Uh, you know, parents in the future, I'm sure, will just be able to just dump their kids into an autonomous vehicle. Yeah. With no, it would just drive them to school. Um, That's a weird thought. 
And then this is sort of getting getting around to some of the the knock-on effects. So better land use. Hmm. So basically because autonomous vehicles can operate closely together, mm. uh, they need less space, space, road space. And so the highway could be, mm. highway capacity could be increased. Yeah. Um, uh, also, without, um, highway capacity could be increased without construction. And, uh, and then also that people are talking about how we could reimagine cities yeah. if we don't have to factor in parking and as much the, highway space because it would be it will be more efficient. So the idea being, I believe, that we'll need less roads. And I mean, I always think, I always think, you know, anybody that um, I grew up in Prospect in uh, in 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 Adelaide, yeah, and a very famous road that you would be familiar with, John, is Main North Road. Oh yeah, which is just awful. And I just, <laughs> whenever I think about. Whenever I cross Main North Road, which is in itself terrifying, yeah, because it's just like crazy traffic just screaming past, and you have to stand on this little traffic island, yeah, uh, and it's just it's just car dealerships and smog, and I'm just like, this is awful. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if you could if that just became like one lane, a two lane, yeah, autonomous vehicle, and then the rest of it you could just put parks and stuff in or. I mean, because or something. I guess what they could, what you could do is have. Well, I don't, and I do just want to clarify there that obviously we're not talk. There are some beautiful places along May North Road. Um, <laughs> talking about talking about Scotty's Motel. Uh, <laughs> is that on May North Road? I'm not entirely sure. Actually. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It is on the corner. There you go. Yeah, get if you're ever in Adelaide. Do go and see the giant statue of the kilted Scotsman at Scottish <laughs> Motel. Um, and but yeah, I mean, so I guess what what you could what it could do is mean that personal car ownership becomes less important. Cars become yes shared resources, and therefore Correct. there's less of a point. And there's there's fewer cars on the road for that reason. Uh, there's maybe more ride sharing that can go on, stuff like that. But there's also less need for those cars to be parked anywhere unless and until they run Correct. out of fuel. So they can go back to some giant, they go to a base. giant fueling base giant fueling base at some point and then they're just zipping around the rest of the time, right? Correct. So then the idea is that they wouldn't be on the street being um, unused like they are at the moment. And I, I don't mm. have a statistic in front of me, but the statistic on how much of a car's life it's actually moving versus just taking up space doing nothing it's crazy but mm. of course it makes sense when you think about it like yeah. a car sits there overnight it sits there during the day you're only using it to get from point a to point b you're trying yeah. to spend all your time at point a and point b you're not trying to spend your time in the car yeah so we just use them to zip between places we need to go so they spend most of their life mm. sitting parked tell you what i'd like to do is um basically become a kind of driverless gray nomad where I'm where I'm just plugging in distant locations for the car to drive drive to <laughs> and then you know I've got my little self-service bar I've got my TV out the back and I just yeah spend days basically living in a move, moving vehicle I'd love that yeah that's um, totally I mean this this is just things like that mm. will become a Reality. I should get to the cons of which okay, there yeah. are also many. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so the main one that people point to is job loss. Mm. Well, maybe it's not the main one. It's one of the main ones is job loss because yeah. you think about how many people are employed driving. Yeah. So I guess instantly you think of freight drivers or lorry drivers yeah. and then ta- and then taxi drivers, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers. Mm. Then you've got delivery drivers for food mm. to supermarkets, those kinds of things. Sure. So, um, it's still a huge industry. Yeah, construction, mm-hmm. even like, you know, driving to and from construction sites. So, there's yeah. just so much involved in, uh, there's just, it's a massive economy. Getaway drivers economy. For, from bank heists and stuff. Bank heists, they'll be out of, they'll totally be out of a job. What are the bank heist getaway drivers going to do? <laughs> you kind Unionize. Your you're Ryan Gosling-esque professional getaway drivers, you know. <laughs> Um, um yeah. I've, you've got uh like loss of independence because mm. the idea I think is generally that we won't own any of these cars ourselves. Mm. It will be the kind of thing where Uber will own all the cars, and so you know a, a small amount of corporations mm. will end up just having control of the entire world's mm. uh an entire world's fleet of vehicles and and a transportation. Yeah, um, I assumed. And then whenever they, there's, you know, if there's a strike, they'll just be like, okay, everyone, we're turning all the cars off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there won't fucking be anyone to strike. Yeah, that's exactly. The, that's the problem. <laughs> uh, then, of course, classic don't praise the machine utilitarian uh, problem, John, ethical mm. issues mm. because the cars will find themselves in situations where they need to make ethical decisions that we have programmed into them. So, Mm. for example, a car is zooming along, the car's doing all the right things, Mm. but three old men and one baby Mm. are in the line of sight of the vehicle somehow. They've made a mistake. Yeah. And then the car knows that it's going to have that the only option goes, okay, I mean, the car knows it's in a situation where its decision (laughs) is, I'm going too fast. Yeah. I'm going too fast. I have to either kill the old men or or the baby. Yeah. And that is a decision that we will have to consciously program into the car. So interesting. And so there could be a little industry in auto ethicists who go to these totally, companies and I say, think there th- totally will be an, an industry of, of auto ethicists. And they say, okay, what about uh, six cats or yeah, a, exactly. it's a bird, but it's a really beautiful bird. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this could be, this could be, I mean, you, your, your qualifications would put you in a unique position, <laughs> law and philosophy, John. That's true. Yeah. Auto ethicist mm. John Junior Boost Maloney. Junior Boost. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so we have to program morality into these machines, which obviously mm. people are just really uncomfortable with. Yeah. Uh, another one, another con is they may be susceptible to hackers. Yeah. Yeah. Hackers could hack the mainframe. Sure. And do a bad do a bad crashes. <laughs> they could hack the mainframe and say. All cars do a bad crashes. Yeah, then, that wouldn't be great. No. And then, of course, uh, we will be even more tracked through mm. uh, all of these corporations. I mean, now, if you were the kind of American, for example, who, you know, you've got a pickup truck, maybe you've got the Confederate flag on it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you've got a live free or die sticker on it, and you love just getting in the car and driving to a place of your choosing. 
And if you get stopped by the police, maybe you record one of those am I being detained videos, <laughs> then driverless cars are your worst nightmare, I guess, because it's like exactly. such a symbol of autonomy and freedom, isn't it? Get, Absolutely. Getting behind the wheel and, and going wherever the hell you please. Yeah. Mm. I think, I think though, that, I mean, we're all being tracked now with the little mm. poison rectangle in our pockets mm, anyway. True. And I think generation, generation alpha is not going to give a fuck no. about privacy because all of the, all of the data is showing that with each new generation coming through, they're less and less concerned yeah. about their own privacy. Yep. And so I reckon generation alpha will just be begging to have the government put chips directly please into put, their brain. Please. Please track us so we know what. Please, please, won't you track me so bad? I saw an irrelevant but... ad the other day. I don't want that. <laughs> um, yeah, the. I mean, the, when you talked about the increase in deaths, I must say part of me was like, is that because people are just getting shit at concentrating because they're kind of yeah, it, phone. Oh, you think as phone addicted attention deficit people? I mean, what's well? I think well, it's it said it's more it's more direct in that what they're doing is they are. I don't think it's that they're daydreaming about their phones or that mm. our attention. I don't think they suggest they're suggesting decline. That in we've done some kind capacity of capacity to focus. Yeah, it's more it's more literal in that somebody's picking up their phone and looking at it when they're supposed to be driving. Yeah, trying yeah. to operate their phone, trying yeah. to send a a funny meme to somebody while you while you're on the road. Mm. I have one. Uh, I have one of the less knock-on effects here, which are really interesting because mm. there's too there's too many of these to go into. But I would like I would like to do a podcast on what the knock-on effects of a driverless autonomous car future could look like because it's really fascinating. Mm. So stuff you just never think people are starting to think about. Mm. So one of them is that there will be a need for way less police because of the amount of resources oh, that the yeah. police have to dedicate to traffic yeah. so traffic infringements traffic accidents mm. that's all out that's all gone mm. there's like it also means that there won't be um any income source from traffic fines for the government right yeah any parking no parking oh, tickets no speeding tickets so mm. that income stream disappears there'll be much less need for medical professionals mm. their resources will they won't have as many demands put on their resources mm. because of the amount emergency of emergency departments that are, must just be full of people coming from road accidents all the time yeah mm. that's right there you go uh so it's and then what it, about just the guy that makes the sandwiches at the cafeteria or the hospital he'll go down you know? <laughs> And then, and then what the about quality the farmer of the sandwiches that, is going to go down. Exactly. What about the farmer that makes that raises the pigs that ham goes into the sandwiches <laughs> at the hospital? Oh my god! Um, yeah, it's huge, isn't it? I mean, I I think about it in the context of Australia, which uh, has you know the capital cities are very pretty kind of carry places. A yeah, lot of them. totally. And uh, you know, there's a lot of urban sprawl. There's obviously huge distances between population centers. And so, you know, and there are people who, who die all the time because of fatigue and stuff on the, on those very long distance treks. And yeah, uh, that's right. So all of that will be transformed, but also you could mm -hmm. live out in the sticks and think, well, that doesn't matter. Cause I'll just, you know, be sitting in the car and somebody else will be driving and I can just pretend I'm still sitting at home and do half a day's work while I'm on the way to the office or something, you know? Mm. Um, so maybe it will mean, like I was thinking a few years ago, I wonder if this will 
you know, if you should start, if people who are like forward thinking speculative property investors are starting to think about, well, maybe it doesn't matter if this place is three hours outside of a big town because, you know, people are going to work remotely, but even when they have to commute, driverless cars are going to make that a lot less burdensome. So yeah, yeah. I've always, my dream has always been to book an autonomous vehicle in the evening. And what will happen is you'll book a sleeper autonomous mm. vehicle mm. and it will turn, it will turn up at the, at your front door and you'll get a little message on your phone going, your robo taxi has arrived yeah. and you'll pop down there. I'll pop out of my front door in my pajamas and then you get in the car with the sleep and it will have a bed in it. Mm. They might, they might even, there might, there would be some snacks. Yeah. And Maybe a, la- be a lady companion be, in there. There'll be a, there'll be a, I would have ticked the box for lady companion. Cy- I'm happy to Cyborg pay the extra. Companion. <laughs> <laughs> I've played, I've paid cyborg companion and I paid for extra cleaning. I recommend that to everybody. You want to make sure that you get the double hygiene wash when you have your cyber companion <laughs> provided to you by Uber and and uh yeah and so then you just get in the car mm. and you put on a bit of netflix mm. maybe have a have a meal in there and then you just doze off yeah and in the morning you wake up and you're just in another european city yeah that's crazy to think about isn't it it's like a it's basically like train travel but it's you know much more obviously much more flexible and a to b yeah mm. so the reason this was in the news again just in the last couple of weeks, John. So two months ago is when Waymo, which is Google, and uh, and Cruise, which is General Motors, mm-hmm. so they got given those licenses from the California Public Utilities Commission uh, a couple of months ago. But then there was an incident in October this year uh. where, and I should mention as well that throughout the history of these cars being tested, there have been... Uh, of course, there have been incidents where they have, I think they, some years ago, one of them was, was involved in the death of a woman, Mm -hmm. um, whilst in the testing phase, a fully autonomous vehicle, uh, killed, I think an old woman. And so that was, that was a big setback for the industry. And, Mm -hmm. uh, They've gotten involved in a few little fender benders and things like that. Mm-hmm. They've also, people have been claiming that they have been holding up traffic because they're, you know, they're still like not perfect. So right. even at the moment, they'll sometimes get stuck at traffic lights and stuff. But um, yeah, in early October, one of Cruise's driverless vehicles uh, was involved in an incident where a human driven vehicle hit a female pedestrian yeah. and threw and threw her into the path of one of the autonomous cruise Fuck. cars and then the driverless cruise car it says here hit her uh-huh. stopped and then tried to pull over dragging her about 20 feet oh my god and yeah so the california dmv said that the cruise taxis are not safe and mm. that cruise had misrepresented safety information about their self-driving technology. And, uh, so they banned cruise. I mean, but I think Wayne, I think Wayne, Google's Waymo is still, still on the street. Going. Okay. But, um, I mean, it's, but yeah, it so, exposes so much about like human biases, doesn't it? Cause it's like, totally. I mean, okay. Yeah. There's going to be imperfections and it, no matter how good you get it, there'll be some kind of wild incident that, that all of the algorithms in the world couldn't have predicted, but 
compare that to basically a small town's worth of people getting killed every year, like exactly, you know, which is what we live with. And people are like, yeah, but I, it's less scary to me that some human is making that error than a than a machine that I can't relate to. It's like correct. It's a weirder and scarier thought. It's a, it's a totally weird cognitive bias thing, John, mm. and, and people point to that a lot, that mm. basically we'll need to become more comfortable mm. with robots or computers or algorithms being involved in accidents yeah. in order to get to a place where that number of you know 42,795 people dying in the US in 2022 where that's just infinitesimally small. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's what is going to, uh, to happen, I guess, but it will, t- it will require a lot of, uh, it will require a lot of work because yeah. it is, it's people are very uncomfortable with, mm. uh, with machines being mm. responsible for the death of, for any type of error. Mm. Well, I'm not surprised because, my Roomba does a pretty piss poor job, and uh, <laughs> and do you have a Roomba? No, I just made that up. But it's but it <laughs> does make you think about the lopsidedness of these things. Um, although every, for me personally, every time something like this comes along, I think, why am I still walking around on crutches? This can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm sure we'll return to this because I love I love this I love this topic yeah. and I'm I'm going to look back on this episode when I yeah. am doing an episode with you John where I'm doing a review of my first overnight sleeper Uber where the kind people at Uber Corporation partnered with Don't Praise a Machine because mm. they wanted to trial the brand new Berlin to Paris route in oh, the sleeper I'd be so you, they're gonna that. fly they're gonna fly you over they're gonna put us we'll be happy to sleep head to toe in the yeah. double bed just like we're used to <laughs> at like your house in Paynham, <laughs> just off just just near the terrible main north road that spurred this whole <laughs> technological leap <laughs>